Welcome to Hempire. I'm your host, Gabby Boudreau, co-founder of Divine Element CBD. Thanks for joining us. I'm pretty excited for our guests today. There are two of them here with us. One is the co-founder of Ray Wellness, an inclusive women's wellness brand that recently co-sponsored a first-of-its-kind controlled study on cannabidiol's potential to support women's wellness. Her name is Angie Tebby, and she is joined today by Dr. Jeff Chen, the co-founder and CEO of Radical Science, a health tech company validating natural medicines for the first time in history. At the age of 29, he founded the UCLA Cannabis Research Initiative, one of the first such programs in the world. As executive director, he grew the program to over 40 faculty across 18 UCLA. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I am excited for both of you to be here. And um, I'm, I'm all about the proof. I, I believe people when they say, you know, that using cannabis or CBD products make them feel a certain way, or it diminishes their pain, it helps them sleep better, the list can go on and on. Uh, so obviously, you know, there's a mountain of anecdotal evidence supporting uh, cannabinoid medicine. But when we have the scientific data to back it up, it just validates the use of cannabis medicine, which is one of my main goals um, for this show, and that's to normalize cannabis as a medicine for all. So this study on uh, CBD and women's health is one of the first and largest randomized controlled human studies to evaluate the effects of commercially available non-prescription CBD products, and that's quoted from your website. Um, And to your knowledge, it represents the uh, first CBD study to focus exclusively on women's health and wellness. So first of all, congratulations, and second, Thank you so much for doing this. Um, So before we dive into the exciting results of this study, I would love to know um, how you two came together to launch this study in the first place. Yeah, Um, we don't have any of this pre-planned, so Jeff, maybe I'll start this. Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, So so Ray Wellness is a um, women's wellness company focused on, you know, creating pure and powerful supplements um, that help women feel better um, from the inside. And so um, when I started this company a few years ago, I think I was really struck by not just, um, you know, the, the supplements industry, but anything ingestible um, largely wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the proof to your point, the evidence wasn't based on, on women. And even in the supplement space, it is largely what I like to call my cement. And so, so much of the research is focused on certain biomasses or, you know, on, on mice. And so so when I was creating the line, um, even prior to CBD, it was, it was mind blowing to me that, um, there wasn't a broader emphasis on helping, um, understand the, the female side of things. So, so that was kind of, uh, you know, further furthered by the fact that, um, you know, when, when we looked at the CBD industry and said, you know, in order to be a holistic well-being company. Um, it was important to understand all facets, all ingredients of which, um, you know, CBD is obviously a large part of that. And I, I was, I was struck at not only uh, was there a lack of research for women, there was just a lack of research and there was a lack of proof um, holistically around um, what it did, how it made people feel, dosage, uh, form factor, all kinds of things. And so for us, um, it was really, really important in an industry um, the, 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 the cannabinoid industry where it is, um, to your point, all anecdotal, super confusing, 
um, broad spectrum, full spectrum, isolate, all of the dynamics that play out from a consumer landscape perspective, it is really, really confusing. And so um, at that point, we kind of knew if we're going to get into this industry, it's really, really important to do it right. It's important to do it well. It's important to make the product um, pure and powerful, just like the rest of our line. And so um, we were on a mission to do that. And so we met Jeff and team, and he'll tell you a little bit more about that, but it was really, really important to us to get a longitudinal study with over a thousand women to kind of prove out our products and help us make choices around what is best um, on behalf of the consumer that we studied. That's great. And Jeff, so where do you come into play in all of this? Yeah, sure. So um, my background is, uh, you know, I'm trained as a physician, but I got very interested in the therapeutic potential of cannabis and cannabinoids. And I thought that the best way that I could create a positive impact around this was to accelerate the research. And so shortly after graduating from medical school, I had started the UCLA Cannabis Research Initiative, um, which uh, at the time, and I guess today still is kind of one of the first and only uh, universities actually running, you know, randomized controlled trials on cannabis. Uh, and it's an incredibly difficult process. You know, you need all sorts of compliance with the DEA, with the FDA, with even your own university. Uh, there, there's a lot to deal with. Argu you know, cannabis is arguably you know, the most difficult thing that you can actually study uh, in this country currently um, for reasons that I think we're all, a lot of us and the listeners are familiar with. And so that was my mission was let's accelerate more research into this so that people can, you know, consumers, physicians, regulators, healthcare insurers, everyone now can have some real information to sink their teeth into to make the best kind of health or even business decisions for this. And after about three years of, of running the cannabis program at UCLA, it became apparent that there was certain types of studies that just could not be done in a university environment, um, just flat out could not be done. And so, for example, the studies that we were allowed to do, the types of products that we could study had to be things that were unequivocally federally legal. So when it came to cannabis, it had to come from this one farm in Mississippi that the, that is licensed to grow cannabis, uh, the so-called uh, uh, Night of Monopoly, you can, you can look it up. Um, and when it came to CBD, the only types of CBD we could study were CBD that was effectively pharmaceutical, uh, uh, that was a pharmaceutical drug. And so the hundreds, thousands of products being used by tens of millions of Americans, we could not actually study because as a university, we took federal funding and we would not do anything that was remotely gray, um, the law. And so that was one key reason. Another key reason is our, you know, our studies were expensive and they were slow. And that's not really to any fault of our own. That's just the kind of current state of clinical research. We're talking millions of dollars of years to achieve um, studies on maybe 100 people, 200 people. And so I left UCLA in summer of 2020, kind of in the middle of the pandemic. And I teamed up with my co-founder, who's uh, her name is Paleen Thorogood. And we met because she was kind of the only philanthropist funding cannabis and CBD research at the time. And that's how we met several years prior um, through her foundation, Holistic Research and Education Foundation. She was funding millions of dollars of research in, in cannabis and CBD. And she came to similar frustrations, which was the universities that she was giving a lot of this money to 
incredibly slow studies. They were very expensive. And again, they could not study the products that were being used by our friends and our neighbors and our family members. So we teamed up and we created Radical Science. And so that's where that was a long-winded explanation to, to get to what Radical Science is. And the whole premise was we need to create a platform where cannabis and CBD brands can come to us and for a fraction of the cost, a fraction of the time that a university might take to do a study, we can run studies on these products. Um, and we can arm them with the data that they need to make better business decisions so that uh, their consumers and customers can make better health decisions. And ultimately, so society, again, policymakers, physicians, they can have greater trust and know what's real um, and what's not real. So that, that's radical science. And one of the key ways that we're able to do all this is, well, you know, first off, we don't take any federal funding. So we're not beholden in the same way that universities are um, to kind of strict compliance uh, with certain, um, uh, certain kind of what otherwise might be gray issues in the eyes of the federal government. Uh, number two, we have no physical infrastructure. All our trials are done completely virtual and direct to consumer. And kind of the third pillar that we really um, are very proud of is really the size and the scale of the studies. Um, because the larger you can get a study, the more reliable your results can be. And also the larger you can get the study, the more heterogeneous you can have the people in the study. Right. If I have a study and I can only afford to have 50 people in it, I will make damn sure every single one of those 50 people are nearly identical. And I will create laundry lists of criteria of who can and can't be in my study. But what happens then is, yeah, maybe the study results were positive, but they were only positive for people that have this laundry list of 80 things that they can or can't have. But if you can get a study big enough, well, you can have lots of diversity and heterogeneity in the sample size. Um, and that way your results are more applicable to the population at large, right? We are a very diverse uh, country, a diverse population. Um, and then the last thing I guess I'll say is, you know, our focus right now is CBD and cannabis, but we really built radical science to serve as a kind of platform for eventually all uh, natural health products. Uh, and the idea is that, you know, what is a, if you could generate rigorous data on natural health products, you're, you're basically starting to usher in an era of democratized medicine, you know, by virtue of their ingredients, these things are hard to patent, they're hard to monopolize, you don't need a physician prescription for them. So talk about affordability and accessibility. Um, so that's, that's what really yeah, excites us. Absolutely. So it sounds like the limitations on research that you experienced at the UCLA kind of motivated you to, to start Radical Science to be able to research what you were really interested in researching on. And by the way, I heard that the University of Mississippi Cannabis was horrible and was uh, contaminated with mold and all sorts of things. So, I mean, when you're working with, you know, this cannabis or these cannabinoid samples, like you said, I mean, if you only have a few people that you're working with, it's it's so hard to collect really good, valid data. And so that's why I'm so happy you guys have have, um, have con uh, launched this study. And I want to get into that because we don't have a ton of time. But um, so how many women were involved in this study? How many exactly? What methods and models did you guys use to gather the data? Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of set it up with the framework that, you know, as we started this, um, you know, everything that Jeff um, was talking about really resonated with us and, and our mission as a company is 
you know, we, we stand for well-being for all, which means it doesn't have to be a full-time job. It doesn't have to be expensive. So that's going to be important to the story and it should really be for all. And so as we were setting up this test, it was like, how many, how much, how fast, how heterogeneous to, to Jeff's point, can we make this population to really, really understand? Um, I'll let Jeff kind of talk through the specifics of how we orchestrated the test. Um, 1300, over 1300 women participated and um, there were well over a thousand women that kind of finalized uh, the, the in-home longitudinal that we that we tried, but I'll, I'll let Jeff kind of take it from there. Yeah, so the way, the way that we set up this study was such that we wanted to understand, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, assumptions held in the CBD industry that don't really have any, you know, proof to, to prove them or disprove them. They're just assumptions. And those assumptions could include everything from needing a certain dose of CBD to be effective, um, that, you know, one form factor such as capsules may or may not be superior to another form factor like tinctures, for example. Um, and we do know that CBD the absorption of CBD is dependent a lot on uh, food in your system, right? Or the uh, carrier oils that it might be delivered with. It's, it's, it's fickle like that. And other assumptions around, you know, do you need full spectrum? Do you need broad spectrum? You know, THC, et cetera. So there are all these uh, assumptions that the industry kind of has. Um, and for, for Ray was creating an, a, you know, an evidence-based product. Um, and so the way that we, created the study was we, we said, okay, let's, let's create products that all differ in one specific element. And that element could be dosage, the element could be the presence or absence of THC, the element could be um, same formulation, but in a capsule versus a tincture. And that way, if we see any differences start to arise between the products, then we can say, oh, well, that one variable that was different between these two products is most likely the agent causing the difference in outcome that we observe. And if we didn't observe an outcome, then we can say pretty confidently that that one element that was different between the two probably doesn't matter. Um, and furthermore, because we were kind of interested in a, in a very kind of comprehensive, broad aspect of health, we were tracking various aspects of mental and physical health. Uh, from, you know, everything from pain to sleep to mood, quality of life, sexual uh, satisfaction, digestive health, et cetera. Um, so that was the goal uh, of the study. Okay. Okay, cool. So um, for in, specifically for anxiety, what constituted how you measured anxiety? Was it just feelings of anxiousness in general or feeling stressed? How did you constitute that? Yeah, it's a great question. So when you, uh, when you run, you know, for, for things like anxiety, pain, what's the, the way that you assess them, there's no like blood test for these things, right? There's no like MRI scan for these things. And so the way that you kind of one of the best standards for assessing these is actually what you call patient reported outcomes. It's you ask the user how they're feeling, but in a very structured manner uh, and you repeat it over time. So you can get multiple um, time points. And so the survey that we use is something called the GAD7, one of the most widely used surveys to assess anxiety. It's used in academia, it's used by pharma when they're trying to see how their um, drugs work. So that is the, uh, the survey instrument that we use, the so-called validated survey instrument. So that means that there's enough data 
on that survey instrument that we know what a meaningful change on that survey instrument is. And we know that uh, the survey accurately is able to capture um, someone's um, actual severity uh, okay. of anxiety. Okay, okay. So uh, you stated that the phase one analysis states that you observed the consumption of any CBD product led to significant reductions in anxiety over the course of 60 days when compared to the control group with no consumption. These reductions mainly occurred within the first 30 days of use and these lower anxiety levels were sustained for another 30 days of use. So we're was dosing and product type um, a key factor in this? I know you mentioned that, um, you know, well, Angie, you had mentioned there's so much confusion for consumers when it comes to full spectrum, broad, broad spectrum isolates, oils, capsules, topsicle, top, sounds like I said popsicle. That That's probably out there, a CBD popsicle. There's, you know, hundreds of different CBD products. And it's so confusing um, for consumers when they're just venturing into CBD and trying to choose a product, it, it can be so consuming, um, if confusing if you don't know anything about CBD or cannabis in general. So did the study show any difference between any specific product types when it came to lessening the anxiety? Yeah, so for our first phase of analysis, I mean, there was, there was a lot of data, as you can imagine. You have, you know, 1,300 people uh, answering tremendous amounts of questions. So for the first phase of analysis, we just honed in on anxiety um, and just looked at that in isolation as that was, you know, the most, one of the most common reasons that people report using CBD and also, you know, the fact that anxiety issues are much more common and severe in women than men. So we thought that was quite fitting um, given the focus on women's health. And so what we found was that, um, first what we found was that across the board, all the products significantly reduced anxiety is measured by the GAD7 scale. And in this case, what we did was we had a group that they're, they're described as a waitlist control group so they, they sign up for the study and you get randomized to different products, right? And the reason you randomize people in a study is what you're trying to do is take whatever confounding variables that might be, a confounding variable might be alcohol consumption. A confounding variable might be whether or not someone meditates a lot, for example. But when people join the study and you randomize them to one of the eight products or, one of, or the control group, you're basically evening out those confounding variables, right? So that's the goal of randomization. So we randomize people to either the products or the weightless control group. And the difference there is that if you get assigned to a product, we the product gets shipped and you start taking it. And we track your anxiety before and after. And then for the weightless control group, they don't actually get sent product. We're just tracking their anxiety over time. So they might be trying to treat their anxiety with lifestyle, modifications. Yeah, they might be using other treatments, but they're not using CBD. And that way we're able to kind of compare those that started using the CBD with those who are just trying to deal with their anxiety using all other factors. And what we found was that the people that were um, assigned, randomly assigned to the CBD groups, they we saw tremendous amounts of anxiety improvement um, uh, over the duration of the study. Now, what's interesting is that uh, well, two things start to bubble up. Most of the improvement in anxiety came in the first 30 days. Um, and then we followed them for another 30 days after that. And there was another slight bit of improvement, but, but at that point it was pretty stabilized. 
Um, so, you know, dramatic reduction in anxiety the first 30 days. And then again, another slight reduction in anxiety in the subsequent 30 days, but you can basically think of it as they improved a lot and then they kind of stayed at that improved level um, for the remainder of the study. Now, we did not see differences between the different product groups. So uh, as far as we can tell, and we ran ANOVA analyses, we threw machine learning at it, we you know, ran you know, pretty much every statistical test we could throw against it. Um, and at least on the anxiety front, no differences amongst all the product groups. So it appears that you know, the same formulation in a capsule versus a tincture might not make a big difference. That the all else being equal, the presence or absence of a tiny amount of THC didn't make a difference. Um, there were there were full and broad spectrum versions of products that were compared head to head, and it looks like dose ranges in the range of 15 to 20 milligrams versus 25 to 30 also don't seem to create uh, much of a difference. Um, so those are just some examples of of um, the kind of observations that we were able to make um, from the performance of the products. And just to underscore a couple of things that Jeff said, you know, we found, we, we felt such a tremendous responsibility in this study, not just to creating the products that we did as a brand, but to the overall industry. And so what we wanted to do is make sure we set this up, not only from a product perspective as Jeff articulated, but also from a need state perspective, right? What is the impact on digestion? What is the impact on se sexual satisfaction, anxiety, sleep? Um, you name it, like we, we, we looked at it. And so what's really, really exciting um, that Jeff mentioned is this is the first wave of the analysis. The full white paper is coming later this fall. And so what you'll start to see is the impact and the benefits that CBD has across all of these various need states. And so what's really, really exciting and the responsibility that we felt was this isn't just about us. This is a piece of research that needs to live in the industry and start to set the example of, of how we all start need to need to learn and, and talk to one another a little bit more about what the right way to create proof is and how we can all kind of create that together through, through a multitude of studies and this just being one of them. That's so wonderful. I'm really looking forward to the complete paper coming out um, this fall. So I will be um, keeping my eyes open for that. And I mean, so far, I mean, just the phase one uh, results, I mean, you basically show that you don't need a lot of CBD to lessen anxiety. Is it was it fifteen to thirty milligrams in the study? Is that were those the doses that you used? Yes, yeah. exactly. And in the presence of fifteen to twenty. And what's so important about that is more isn't always better. And yeah. I think that that's so important to talk about because again, you know the 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 price points that exist in this industry are so high, and in in part it sometimes is due to the dosage that people feel like they need because anecdotally they've heard it's better. And so on behalf of our research, we found that, you know, we can make this attainable, affordable, and less can be more um, in, in doing the right thing on behalf of the product and, and the consumer. And so, um, so for all of those reasons, full circle back to our mission around wellness and well-being should not have to be expensive. Um, it can be attainable for all this kind of just further prove that on behalf of this particular ingredient of, of CBD for us. Yes, that's so amazing. I'm so excited about this. Uh, I mean, yeah, if 
if it's as simple as taking, you know, a couple of milligrams of CBD a day, and of course, you know, I'm sure a lot of these women were doing other things to help with the anxiety, like you mentioned, meditating yoga, there's a lot, you know, we can have a cannabimimetic lifestyle, um, you know, incorporate things that improve the endocannabinoid system and, and have certain effects on the body and, and help us make more endocannabinoids. But I mean, just taking a CBD and a little bit of it and feeling less anxious, that's huge. So many people deal with anxiety and um, depression and all sorts of things, but anxiety can be crippling for a lot of people. So this is really huge. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait for uh, the complete paper to come out in the fall. Um, and, you know, CBD users have been reporting um, that CBD helps with anxiety for years. And we have a lot of animal studies showing the reduction in anxiety um, through CBD administration. And it, it's almost like science needs to catch up to what people are already doing with cannabis and CBD. Um, so this is great uh, that you're doing this. Dr. Chen, are you planning on conducting any more studies focused on CBD, such as this most recent one with Ray? Uh, yes. Yeah. In fact, we'll be, we'll be making an announcement in a few weeks of the next study that we're running, which is called, um, uh, it's called Radical ACEs and ACEs stands for Advancing CBD Education and Science. And so in the Ray study, we took um, six different or eight different products um, that, that Ray was evaluating and, and created and were developing and kind of compared them head to head for ACEs that will be launching in um, early August of this year, we're now comparing 13 different products from 13 different brands in kind of a head-to-head -head fashion. And so the whole industry can start to understand again, what, what characteristics are important, um, which ones might not be as important. Um, so that'll be another study. But yeah, we, we are gonna be doing more and more studies um, on CBD, more and more studies on the minor cannabinoids, which is really like uncharted territory. No one knows what they really do. Um, yet people, you can already buy CBG, you can buy CBC, buy yep. you know, THCV, you can buy all these things. Uh, and then starting next year, we'll start doing, um, studies on THC cannabis and legal states. And again, eventually one day we'll be at a point where we're studying all things that are natural health products, whether it's, uh, cannabinoids, whether it's, uh, microbiome interventions, whether it's herbs, whether it's tropics, whether it's psychedelics, again, in legal states and legal jurisdictions. Um, cause yeah, we're kind of, uh, but we, we, we're going to stay focused on CBD and cannabis for, for quite some time. There's a lot of need here and it's, you know, the universities, it's not their fault, but right now the universities are kind of, they have their hands tied because right. of all the things that we talked about. Um, so there's just a tremendous amount of need. And, and one thing, uh, another thing I want to add on the, the dosing question, if you look at all of the prior controlled trials done on CBD, they're typically using 200 milligrams and above uh, per day. And these doses of 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, these, these really never been studied in a controlled trial. And to Angie's point, you know, more being better, you know, there's a, there's even a couple studies of CBD, both in mice and humans that show that there is such a thing as a sweet spot that once you exceed a certain limit, the more you give, the, the effects start disappearing and dissipating. Right. Um, and in humans, it's been kind of suggested for uh, uh, public speaking anxiety, which is kind of one of the, one of the studies that were done. And in um, animals, it was shown uh, in relation to inflammation. 
um, that as beyond a certain point, as you gave more CBD, it's anti-inflammatory effects start to disappear. So there's clearly something else going on here that we haven't quite figured out. Right, right. We're just beginning to scratch the surface, um, what it seems like. And, and another researcher that I've had on the show, who's also, he's the chief science officer uh, for our brand, but he, you know, they just published a study uh, called Cannabis Sativa Terpenes or Cannabimimetic and Selectively Enhanced Cannabinoid Activity. So it, it provides conceptual support, uh, what they showed, it provides conceptual support for the entourage effect hypothesis. But we, there's just so much that we don't know. I mean, you know, CB1 receptors are just all over our brain. We know that they're the main target of THC, but we don't even really know how CBD works in the body yet, right? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the interesting thing. Uh, CBD has been described as a very promiscuous molecule. <laughs> and, and the reason being promiscuous is we've identified that it interacts with many, 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 many different receptors. Some receptors it interacts very strongly with, other receptors it interacts very weakly with. Um, and so, for instance, CBD appears to have be, be acting on certain serotonin receptors. Um, and there are a lot of these receptors have nothing to do with our endocannabinoids. So it's interesting, CBD, yeah, it's a cannabinoid. It, the way that it seems to act with, interact with our endocannabinoid system is not so much binding to our endocannabinoid receptors, which is what THC does. CBD doesn't seem to do that. It looks like what CBD might do is um, potentially like boost your body's own endocannabinoid levels or at least slow their breakdown. And so if you might have higher endocannabinoid levels or those endocannabinoids stick around a little longer because CBD is slowing their breakdown. Those endocannabinoids definitely do bind to your endocannabinoid receptors. Maybe that's another pathway. But yeah, CBD is promiscuous. It does, wow. which is why it's not surprising that it has like, you know, all these different effects. Right. Um, very few of which have been demonstrated in humans, but, you know, highly promising and, and fascinating effects that we've seen in animals from like anti-cancer to uh, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, all these things. Um, yeah. So, so again, just really excited for for what we learn through through yeah. more study. Oh, it's so exciting, and it, it is. It's super promising. All the research that's coming out in these studies, and um, this study in particular with Ray Wellness, um, is I I'm thrilled to hear about these results. I think it's amazing, and and specifically, I mean, just the fact that it's such low doses, like you're saying, that this hasn't been done before. So this is really really exciting stuff. Um, any, do you have a date on when the uh, final white pepper will be released, or just sometime in the fall? Sometime in the fall, we will let okay. you know. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. So we are running out of time, but I want to thank you both for being here today. Angie Tebby and Dr. Jeff Chen, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I'd also like to thank our producers as well as Divine Element CBD for making this show possible. Check out our CBD and botanical wellness selection online at mydivineelements.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week for another episode of Empire. Thanks for listening. And until then, stay well, keep learning, and we'll talk to you all soon.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.